Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. Verse number 13 is where we'll start reading. Genesis 24 and verse 13. This is the servant of Abraham with ten camels. He has journeyed from Canaan to Mesopotamia, which is a 1,200-mile round trip. That bears significance with what we'll talk about here tonight. But in verse 13, the servant of Abraham says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water. The daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. It came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. The damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also. And this is what I want to drive home here tonight. She said, Until they have done drinking and she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all everybody say all drew for all his camels i want to talk to us tonight on this subject the camels are calling the camels are calling you would would you just lay your Bibles down and one more time I want us to lift our hands and I want us I want us to focus this prayer here's how I want us to focus this prayer we're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray and as you lift your hands and you pray I want you to begin to ask yourself how bad do I want this how bad do I want this And I want you to lift your voice in proportion to that answer. How bad do I want this? Can you do that? Every hand raised, every voice lifted all over the house.
on, why don't somebody go ahead and make a statement to the Holy Ghost here tonight that I'm not leaving without a gifting in my life. Come on, lift your voice and let God know I'm hungry for this. I'm desperate for this. You know what, just to drive this point home a little bit more, here's what we're gonna do. Before I have you be seated, here's what we're gonna do. If God manifest in the flesh walked into this room and said, I'm only giving one person the ministry that they're hungry for, and it all depends on who gets his attention, how would you respond right now? Come on, he's looking for the hungry that are in this room right now. He's looking for the ones that'll pay the price. Come on, you ought to break that box of comfort in this room. There ought to be a young man or a young woman that shakes themselves and said, whatever you're doing in this hour, don't do it without me. Let's clap our hands under the Lord all over the house. Come on. Come on, let's clap them with expectancy if you believe tonight is your night. Come on, if you believe tonight is your night, would you lift your voice and just shout with a voice of victory in this room? God bless you. You can be seated here tonight. I've noticed something this year traveling across our movement. And that is that there is a line being drawn in the apostolic church between those that want apostolic things and those that are hungry for apostolic things. You may say, what is the difference between want and hunger? The difference between wanting apostolic things and being hungry for apostolic things is that when you want something, that means you desire it, but you can live without it. But when you're hungry for something, it becomes a matter of survival. There's something in you that says, if I don't have that, I'm not going to make it. And I believe that there is that remnant in this generation that is rising up. They have that mindset that says, if we don't have the gifts of the Spirit, if we don't have the fullness of of the operation of the fivefold ministry. If we don't have miracles, signs, and wonders, if we don't have apostolic authority and power, we're not going to survive. 
You've got to get to that place where more than your next breath, you want to be used by God in this end time hour. So the way that God works is sometimes God will give you glimpses of where you're going before you get there. That's why those spies went into the promised land. They came back with a cluster of grapes. That was God giving them a glimpse of the vineyard that they would one day possess. But he had to test them with the cluster of grapes before he could trust them with the vineyard in the promised land. So we see this because in the life of Elisha, we see this. And one thing that you've got to understand when it comes to destiny is that when destiny pays you a visit, destiny doesn't wait. It just visits you. And it extends the invitation to your future. And it keeps going. It doesn't stop to help you try and count the cost and figure out if you're really willing to pay the price or not. That's why Elisha was tending to his father's farm on just an ordinary day when that elder prophet came by and he brushed him with the mantle. And the reason that he brushed him with the mantle is because God had to test him with the brush of the mantle before he would trust him with the burden of the mantle. And he didn't stop to help Elisha try and sort through all of his family affairs and figure out if he was really ready for the journey and figure out if he was really ready to give up tending to his father's farm. He, he didn't stop and help him try to figure out if he was really willing to pay the price, but there had to be a split decision, a split second decision in the mind of Elisha that said, I don't have time to delay this destiny. I've got to burn the plow and kill the ox and go after every Everything that is inviting me in the kingdom of God. I believe that in this room here tonight, destiny is going to pay some of you a visit. But destiny is not going to stop and try to help you figure out if you're willing to pay the price or not. Destiny is going to brush you with the mantle. Destiny is going to give you a glimpse of your future. And it's going to keep on going. And you've got to decide, am I going to stay here? Or am I going to leave what is familiar and pursue everything that God has for me in the kingdom of God? And so when it comes to this ministry of accepting the call of the camels and you'll understand what that means as we move forward here tonight but when it comes to this ministry of accepting the call of the camels i want this generation to understand that it is not a ministry of minimums it's not a ministry of margins it is a ministry of greatness it is a ministry of more and when you look in the book of Acts Church, you will find out that in the early book of Acts Church, everyone gave everything. The common denominator in the early book of Acts Church was that all were willing to give their all. 
Acts chapter 4 says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, and neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought uh, the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. The common denominator in the early book of Acts church was that everyone was willing to give everything until Acts chapter 5. And Acts chapter 5 says a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. The problem with Ananias and Sapphira was they wanted the reward of giving their all without the reality of giving their all. They wanted to look like they were giving their all. And that is a lot of the problem with this generation is we want to show up and we want to dance and shout and we want to convince everybody around us that we are giving God our all. But when we leave passing the mantle, there are areas of our lives that we are not relinquishing control of and giving God everything that we've got. This was the very first sin recorded in the book of Acts church. And not only was it the very first sin recorded in the book of Acts church, but it was the very first case of division that was recorded in the book of Acts church. And I have learned that that is still a case of division among the apostolic church today. At the end of the day, not all are willing to give their all. At the end of the day, not everyone is willing to give everything. And that was the issue with the rich young ruler. Because Jesus looked at the rich young ruler. And he said, if you want to be complete. If you want to be perfect. Sell all that you have. And follow me. The Bible said the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Because the rich young ruler could not wrap his mind around the kingdom concept that in God's kingdom and in God's economy, you can attain completion not by what you gain, but by what you give. And it is amazing to me that Jesus did not ask anything of that rich young ruler that he did not first require of himself. As a matter of fact, the integrity of God was based upon the fact that God gave all of himself to the world. The integrity of God was dependent upon the fact that when God manifest himself in the flesh, he did not give a portion of himself to the world, but he gave all of himself to the world. It is about God's integrity to give his all to humanity. And that is interesting to me because Webster's Dictionary defines the word integrity as the state or quality of being complete. And it uses wholeness as a synonym. And, and when you look in your Bible, you will find out that the word integrity in the Hebrew literally means to be whole or complete. 
and the English word for integrity. You've got to understand here tonight, it derives from the Latin word integer, which is a mathematical term. And in mathematics, the word integer, it cannot be a fraction and it cannot be a decimal. But an integer is a whole number. You cannot divide an integer. You cannot make an integer partial. You cannot make it fragmented. You cannot make it a decimal. In other words, integrity is all or nothing. Integrity is everything or integrity is no thing. That's why he was not one-third God manifest in the flesh, but in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Father did not become a fraction. Deity did not become a decimal, but he was fully God and he was fully man. That's why it was not blasphemous for Jesus to say, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And can I tell you that? That if God has got all power, your sickness has got no power. Your devil has got no power. Your suicidal thought, it's got no power. Your depression, your anxiety, your shame, your, come on, your insecurity, your fears, it's got no power because your God has got all integrity. You ought to shout if you're thankful that that's the God that you serve in this house right now. And so when you give God your all, anytime something is placed in the hand of God, whatever is placed in the hand of God, the value of that object automatically increases. Whenever you take something and you place it in the hand of God, the value of whatever you just put in God's hand was then increased by virtue of God taking ownership and possession of that area of your life. That's why he was willing to leave the safety of the 99 to go and find the one because the integrity of the flock was incomplete as long as there was one sheep that was missing. But when he recovered that one sheep, it was not just 99 as an imperfect flock but the integrity of that flock was then made whole because that one sheep was placed back in the hand of God that's why it didn't matter if that woman had nine safe coins the integrity of her currency was incomplete it was broken as long as that one coin was out of her possession but she lit a candle and she swept her house and when that one coin was put back in her possession the value and the integrity of her currency was made whole again. That's why tithing is not just a principle of money, but tithing is a principle of ministry because in God's economy, 10% in God's hand is greater than 90% in your hand. And if God can do more with 10% in his hand than what you can with 90 in your hand, I wonder what God could do with 100%. You 
you ought to give God 100% of everything you've got. What could God do with 100% of your dreams, with 100% of your plans, with 100% of your praise, with 100% of your dance, with 100% of everything you've got? I am challenging this generation. Stop preserving areas of your life for yourself and give God everything you've got. Because God has great issue when we don't give him everything we've got. Because whenever we don't give him everything we've got, that means that there are areas of our life that we are giving our best to. God does not want this generation's second best. God wants this generation's very best. As a matter of fact, he took such great issue with it that he began to rebuke the priests of Malachi's day. The problem with the priests of Malachi's day is they were entitled because of their pedigree. They were entitled because they were raised around the priesthood and they thought that they could offer God blind and lame sacrifices but God said if you want to give me blind and lame sacrifices I've got an answer to that I'll bypass the pedigree and I'll reach out into the world and from the rising of the sun under the going down of the same my name shall be great among the Gentiles let me preach to somebody in this house it doesn't matter how long you've been living for God. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how long or how many generations your family has been a part of Pentecost. God does not owe you anything. And if you want to live with a spirit and a mindset of entitlement that says God owes me something, he will step over you and go find a drug addict out in the street and raise them up and make them the world's greatest prophet. But there ought to be somebody in this house uh, that says the devil is a liar. I'm not going to be replaced. God, don't take away my job. I'm going to do everything uh, that you've called me to do in the kingdom of God. But I'll go a step further. There may be somebody in this house. You are first generation apostolic. But yet when you came into the kingdom, you've been giving God everything you've got. And in the middle of giving God everything you've got, the enemy has told you that God wants to use somebody else because of their last name. Or somebody else because they don't have the past you've got. Let me preach to you today and say, you might be the first in your family to live for God, but you won't be the last in your family to live for God. You're going to start a new lineage. You're going to start a new family tree. You ought to shout for your kids. You ought to shout for your kids in this house right now. You ought to shout for your grandkids. You're planning a new family tree. But you've got to give it everything you've got. Come on, give God your best praise in this house. Don't withhold it. Give it everything you've got. And so Abraham's looking around and he says, if this covenant that the seed of my family is going to be as the stars of the heavens... 
and the sands of the earth. He's saying, my son's got to get connected to this covenant. But if this covenant is going to carry on through my son and through my son's sons, my son Isaac has got to have a wife. And so he sent his servant from Canaan to Mesopotamia with 10 camels to go and find his son Isaac, a wife. I want you to understand here today that it is not insignificant that they chose camels to go to Mesopotamia. He chose those 10 camels. He didn't choose donkeys. He didn't choose oxen. He didn't choose horses. He didn't choose any other animal. He chose, he chose those camels. It is because in the Bible, those animals are known uh, as the beast of burden. Uh, they are known for carrying heavy loads long distances. Uh, they are known in the Middle East as the ship of the desert. Uh, those camels are not known for their speed. Uh, they are known for their endurance. Uh, they are not known for being quick. Uh, they are known for being dependable. Uh, they are not known for going fast. Uh, they are known for going far. Uh, you want to know what we need in this generation? We need the spirit of the camel. You might not preach passing the mantle next year, but 30 years from now, you ought to still be living for God. You don't just need to give God your best today. You need to give God your best 30 years from now. And Hey, Urson, don't just give God four years. You ought to give God 40 years and 50 years and 60 years. As a matter of fact, I'm preaching to people. The enemy didn't want you at passing the mantle. He tried to destroy your family. He tried to destroy your life. He tried to get you to backslide. He tried to kill you with a sickness. He tried to take you out in a car accident. But you're still here. You're still here. Why? Because you're a cow. You've got the call of the camel. We may not go fast, but 50 years from now, when you're old and gray, you're still going to be the devil's worst nightmare. You ought to shout and let the devil know we're not going anywhere. We're going to see the greatest revival. We're going to see the greatest move of God the world's ever seen. Come on, shout in this house. Lift your voice. And so the camels are calling. And this is what the call of the camel sounds like whenever it comes calling in your life. That servant showed up and he prayed a prayer. And he said, whatever damsel comes to this well, when I ask her to give me to drink and she lets down her pitcher, when she gives me to drink and the camels to drink, then I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And this is the wife 
that you have appointed for his son Isaac. But Rebecca comes and she does not stop at what was expected of her. She goes above and beyond what was expected of her. Because whenever the servant asked her to drink, she said, I will not just give you and your camels to drink, but watch this. She said, I will give your camels to drink until they have done drinking. You've got to understand that one camel that's gone days without water, it can consume up to 25 gallons alone. She did not know how far those camels had traveled. She didn't know how much water they were going to need. And there was not one camel, there were 10 camels. And that picture on her shoulder, historians say it could only hold about three gallons. So here it is. If she gave those camels the bare minimum, she would have only gone to that well eight times. But if she gave them the maximum, she would have had to go to that well 250 times. She didn't know how many times she'd have to go to that well. She said, I'll give those camels to drink until they're done drinking. So here it is, the call of the camels. Are you ready? She did not count the cost before she made the commitment. She said, I don't care how much it takes. I don't care if I got to go to that well eight times or 80 times. I'm going to give those camels all the water that they need. You know what you got to stop doing? You got to stop saying, I feel the call of God, but it's going to cost me a friend. It's going to cost me family. It's going to cost me a dream. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me a relationship. No, you just got to say, yes, God, whatever you want me to do, you ought to grab your pitcher, march to that well, get that water, and give the... You want to know what this conference needs to do right now? You need to give God a resounding yes. yes. You hear that? The camels are calling. Greatness is calling you. The gifts of the Spirit are calling you. Evangelism is calling you. A church plan is calling you. Songwriting is calling you. Will you say yes? Shout it out until you can't shout it anymore. Yes, God. Yes, God. Come on, lift your voice and let it out. Lift your voice and let it out. It doesn't matter what it costs you. You've got to be willing to pay the price no matter how expensive it is. So Rebecca gave those camels to drink. She gave those camels to drink. When you answer the call of the camels, you can't worry about what everybody thinks of you. I said, when you answer the call of the camels, you can't worry about whether, whether somebody else wants to go to that well or not. When you answer the call of the camels, you can't worry about what everybody thinks of how you look or not. There's got to be something that, that is inside of you that says, if nobody else is willing to pay the price, I am willing to pay the price. 
Because whenever she gave those camels to drink, until they were done drinking, the Bible said that Isaac was walking in the field at evening time. And when he lifted up his eyes, he saw the camels. It isn't it amazing to you that whenever he lifted up his eyes, the first thing that he saw was not his wife, but it was the camels. It's because Isaac knew in his mind, in order for those camels to get back to me, somebody had to give them their water to drink. Somebody had to give them the strength they needed to make it back to me. Can I preach to you and say, when the camels come calling, you can't worry about how you look. He didn't notice her wardrobe. He noticed her work ethic. He didn't notice her dress. He noticed her dedication. He didn't notice her clothing. He noticed her commitment. You need to quit worrying about looking cute at passing the mantle and say if nobody else is going to dance, I'm going to dance. If nobody else is going to shout, I'm going to shout. The camels are calling. Why don't you get God's attention like your ministry depends on it? Come on, take 10 seconds and get God's attention in this house. And a lot of the reason people don't accept the call of the camels is because when they try to count the cost, all they can focus on is the ripple effect. And they don't take into account that when you give God everything you've got, there's going to be a crescendo of that commitment that echoes throughout eternity long after you've breathed your last breath. I am thankful today that Rebecca answered the call of the camels. And she went above and beyond what was expected of her. Because if Rebecca would not have answered the call of the camels, she would have never met Isaac. If she never met Isaac, she would have never had Jacob. If she never had Jacob, there'd be no 12 tribes of Israel. If there's no 12 tribes of Israel, there's no Judah. If there's no Judah, there's no Jesse. If there's no Jesse, there's no David. And if there's no David, there's no Jesus. You don't know what ripple effect you're going to have whenever you finally sell out and give God everything you've got. There might be a nation connected to that ministry. Come on, I need somebody to link up with me right now. You don't know the ripple effect uh, of the ministry God has for you. You've got to stop counting the cost uh, and say, God, whatever it takes. Let's lift our hands and let's pray all over this house.
say Elijah said it was a hairy man a lot of historians believe that when it says he was a hairy man that it meant that his mantle was made out of camel hair camel hair does not have the same texture of a linen ephod of a priest or of the soft robe of a king but when you feel that camel hair it represents a burden it's rough it's ruddy it represents a journey and whenever Elisha was tending to his father's farm on a normal day and here comes that glimpse of his future here comes that prophet from that last generation and it brushes him with that mantle of camel hair Elijah did not stop and try to help him figure out if he was ready to come along for the journey but there was something that clicked in Elisha's mind that said that wasn't the linen ephod of a priest that wasn't the soft robe that a king wears in the king's palace but what just visited me represents a journey what just visited me it represents a burden it represents a calling it represents weightiness he did not delay he got up from where he was and he went after the destiny that had just paid him a visit you better hear me in this house Elisha we don't have time to wait until you're 40 and 50 before you answer the call of the camels we need 12 year olds I said we need 12 year olds we need we need 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds uh, and Bible college students uh, that'll say, I will not settle for mediocrity. I will follow that destiny that is visiting me in this house tonight. So what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and count the cost? And say, that's a price that I'm not willing to pay. Are you going to get up from where you are and leave familiarity and your comfort zone behind and pursue the call of the camels? Because whenever that mantle fell after he followed Elijah, there were 50 sons of the prophets on the other side of the river, and they didn't want it. They thought they were entitled to it. But they didn't want to pay the price for it. Because when that camel hair hit the bank of that river, everybody wants it until they realize there's a price attached to it. Everybody wants it until they realize witches will pray against you. Everybody wants it until they realize, everybody thinks that what we do is glamorous. Until they realize you hadn't slept in your own bed in over 200 nights this year and you live out of a suitcase. Uh, everybody wants this until you deal with witchcraft so much you can hardly get out of bed. Everybody wants it until they realize that people will pray against you. And people will lie on you and they'll gossip about you and they'll accuse you. You better hear me in this house. Uh, the call of the camels. Uh, it's not glamorous. Uh, but it is glorious. Uh, because the glory is heavy. The glory is weighty. The glory has got a price. Everybody wants it until they realize there's a price. It's not cheap. This has cost me everything.
cost me everything. Everything. The Bible said that John, he heard those camels calling. He heard those camels calling. He heard more than what was expected of him calling. The Bible said that he wore camel hair. Men from Jerusalem and Judea went out to the wilderness to see him. And he was preaching about the greatest revival that the world would ever see. But there comes a day when John is put in prison. And doubt sets in. And he starts questioning, was the call of the camels really worth it? Was doing more than what was expected of me really worth what I am dealing with now? And he sends word by two of his disciples and he says, go ask Jesus. Are you he that should come or should we look for another? He was feeling all of this doubt wondering, was I really called of God? Did God really tell me to do everything that I did on this earth? Will there ever be any fruit of my ministry or was was it all in vain and was it all a waste? And Jesus says, you go tell John that the blind see, that the deaf hear, that the lame walk, that the dumb talk, that the dead are raised and the lepers are cleansed. But then Jesus spins around to everybody that's listening to him. And he says, what did you come to see? Did you come to see a reed shaking in the wind? What Jesus was saying was, his culture did not make John bend. But John made the culture bend. Whenever you answer the call of the camels, we are not like the culture. But we rise up in the culture. And God elevates you with such an anointing. He says he wasn't the one wearing the soft raiment in king's houses. It was the hair of the camels. And it was rough. What do you do whenever you spend your life doing something and you never get to see the fruit of it? Will you answer the call of God then? What if God is calling you some of, what if, what if God is calling some of you to a ministry? That in your lifetime you may never see the fruit of it. What if God is calling you to plant a church and get it up to 30 or 40 people? And then you leave there and he calls you to plant another church. And the duration of your ministry you never pastor a church more than about 30 or 40 people. And you die never getting to see the fruit. Of the impact of those churches you planted in those cities. What if God's calling you to travel and preach. And you don't have the ministry of numbers. But God sends you in for weeks at a time in churches to dig up stuff. And get sin out of the way. And then you leave there wondering did I do any good. And you never get to see the fruit of it. The Bible said that she went down to that well. It implies that there were steps going down to that well. Whenever you make a commitment without counting the cost and that pitcher is empty, 
and you're going down those steps, it's easy. Whenever you show up to passing the mantle and you feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost and tears are streaming down your face and there's a man of God laying his hand on your head and you've got that mantle and you're, you're pulling it close to your chest, you're convinced in that moment that you're anointed and that God is calling you to plant a church. And that God is calling you to a foreign field. And that God is calling you to write music. And God is calling you to start a campus ministry. But what about when you dip that pitcher in water? And now you've got three gallons to throw on your shoulder. And you've got to walk up those steps. And your knees are buckling because this isn't the eighth time. This is the 80th time that you've had to go and you've had to put that well. You've had to put that pitcher in that well. It's not always easy. There's days that you wake up and you question, am I really anointed? Did God really call me? You better hear me in this generation. The call of the camels, it's not cute. It's not glamorous. We have glamorized ministry. We have made celebrities out of preachers and out of singers and musicians. But you don't know the price behind closed doors. I can't tell you how many times, Brother Santamiri, I can't tell you how many times I fought absolute hell. And I'd wake up in a hotel room across the country. And it was all I could do to pull myself out of bed and grab my Bible and walk to a pulpit and preach wondering, am I doing any good? Am I making any impact? But whenever God called me to preach, I didn't consider all of that. All I heard was the camels calling. You want to know what the call of the camel sounds like? It sounds like tears. Now do you want to preach? It sounds like lies. It sounds like demons waking you up in your hotel room. It sounds like travail. It sounds like intercession. It sounds like sleepless nights. It sounds like weight. It sounds rough. Do you still hear the camels calling? Or did you only want the microphone? Do you still hear the camels calling? Or did you just want everybody to like you and pat you on the back? You still hear the camels calling? Do you still want to plant that church in that city? Or do you, all you care about is your face being on the highlight reel at passing the mantle? Come on, you hear the camels calling? That's rough. Come on, it's easy whenever that pitcher is empty and you're going down the steps. But what about when you're tired and you're being lied on and you're being gossiped about and the enemy is after you and he's after your family? Come on, somebody. I wish there to be somebody answer the call of the camels right now. You don't need to wait to see what your neighbor's doing. You need to answer the call of the camels right now. Come on. You need to answer the call of the camels in this house right now.
Come on, you might have to go to that well eight times, or you might have to go to that well 80 times, but you got to give those camels their water. That extra commitment is what will connect you. To Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.